Hi, everybody. This is Aaron at Garbage Film. Hi, and it's Nick at Garbage Film also. We just wanted to get up top here and warn you that we do spoil the movie that we're about to talk about. The Power of the Dog is pretty recent. Maybe some of you haven't had the chance to check it out. We do recommend that you do that. But we think the best experience is going to be going in not knowing much about it. So please, save yourselves. And we definitely forgot to mention it in the episode, hence us telling you up top. Oops, nobody's perfect. Love us still. I love us. Bye. Welcome back to Garbage Film. This is the show that seeks to prove that arty and trashy movies have a lot in common, and you don't need to enjoy just one or the other. So we'll take this week's movie and pair it with something artier or trashier, and hope that you discover an unexpected new favorite, or at the very least, get some entertainment. I made it almost to the end before I... <laughs> before you became Irish. I before you reverted back into your normal form. <laughs> uh, that Maritam twang coming through. Uh... <laughs> no one will be able to understand you by the end of this episode. That's our guarantee. Guarantee. <laughs> hey. And this voice you're hearing is one of your hosts. I'm Nick. And uh, with me, as always, is my co-host and partner, Aaron. Hi, Hello. Aaron. Hello. How you doing? Great. How are you? I'm good. You excited? I am excited. I feel like it's going to be... We, we just got the biggest dump of snow I have seen since I moved to this place. Yeah. And it's freezing. It's It's unkind outside is the best way i can it's really like it Mm -hmm. is inhospitable and so it'll be nice to just talk about like some gently rolling plains (laughs) or some sunny days somewhere you could ride the exact opposite of where we are which yes canada winter is cold and bad (laughs) turns out it sucks (laughs) it's just in for the last thousands of years okay and we're excited about this because this month is going to be a western month february westerns as we call them or the month with no name (laughs) i like that one better it's because we all hate february anyway so yes i'd rather expunge it from the calendar (laughs) i'd rather take away its name make it sit in the corner think about what it did (laughs) which is harm me personally yeah it's the shortest month and it couldn't be any shorter if it tried. I don't know. I'm just mad. You're trying to trash talk a month? (laughs) I don't know how to do it right (laughs) now. No. Okay, we'll get there. Uh, But we're just excited because we're talking Westerns and we're starting out the month with a very new Western, Mm -hmm. The Power of the Dog from 2021. I wonder what little lady made these. I did, sir. Open up the gate, let him out. You sure he's not ready? Go on, let him out. It's just a man, Peter. Only another man. (laughs) (laughs) Woo. So a a, a Benedict Cumberbatch Western. Yeah. Not something I ever thought would come to be. No, it doesn't feel right. (laughs) No, but I I think, you know, therein lies some of the the magic of this particular one. That was like one of their casting things was like, we're going to cast against type a bunch. Nice. Just to like try and 
you know, make people uncomfortable. <laughs> Congratulations. It worked. Guys. Okay. Well, uh, so tell me about this movie. Yeah. So this is directed uh, by Jane Campion, and the screenplay is by her as well, adapting a, the novel of the same name by Thomas Savage. It was a 1967 novel, so yeah. quite an oldie. Uh, and I'm just going to throw this out now. It was attempted adaptations have happened a couple times already and like paul newman tried to do it where he was going to play benny cumberbatch's role i did not know that Uh, and gerard depardieu was going to do one too (laughs) but this is cool yeah i feel like it'd be fun to watch paul newman be really mean and not charming about it just no just mean could he do it (laughs) i don't don't think i don't know i don't know (laughs) anyway um, <laughs> as previously mentioned, this is starring Benedict Cumberbatch. You got Kirsten Dunst in there and uh, Kirsten Dunst's uh, husband, Jesse Plemons. It's the only way I think of him. Um, you got Cody Smith McPhee, Thomas and Mackenzie, Genevieve Lemon, Keith Carradine is in there apparently, and Francis Conroy. Those are our, our main cast. I've yeah. already, I can think of about six people in this movie, and that's yeah, it. That's it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Quite a cast. Quite yeah. an interesting cast. Again, not not ever if I was to like assemble a western from, you know, the today cast. Traditional, yeah, a today western. It just yeah, real interesting choices. I think they're all great in this. Yeah. Uh would it surprise you to know that Jesse Plemons and Kirsten Dunst were cast the the other people were cast in these parts and because of scheduling they had to quit. It would surprise me to know that. It was going to be Paul Dano as Jesse Plemons's role, which Big sad sack energy oh. all the time. I get it. <laughs> Just a very, like, genteel type of person. Yeah. Interesting. And okay. Elizabeth Moss would have been Kirsten Dunst. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, she can she can play put upon very yeah. well. But then she yeah. had to drop out, and uh, Campion always wanted to work with Dunst, so they got uh. Dunst in, and she was like, hey, I'm married to a guy that you can rip on for two hours. <laughs> you just want, like, a wife guy? <laughs> Here you go. Prime wife guy coming your way. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. I, I find their... I Well, we'll get into it, but yeah. I, I like their... Their energy translates well here. I find it very very tender. much. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, let's let's do get into it. Let's get right in. The time is 1925. We're in Montana. Uh, <laughs> wealthy ranch owning brothers Phil, which is uh, Benny, and George, that's Jesse. Uh, the Burbanks. They meet widow and inn owner Rose Gordon. It's Dunst, who is a former theater pianist. I didn't realize that somehow. Mm, yes. uh, during their like big cattle drive that they're doing through town. Right, they stop at her inn. Yep. Uh, the kind-hearted George is quickly taken with Rose. It's Kirsten Dunst. How can you blame him? Uh, <laughs> while the volatile Phil, uh, much influenced by his late mentor, who we will not shut up about, Bronco Henry, mocks Rose's son Peter for his lisp, his crafting of paper flowers, and just general effeminacy. Yes. Yes. It's a real, like... I mean, you know, Cumberbatch is a very good actor. Sometimes mm. he gets handed fucking weird roles, but yeah. this seems like a real... You're scared of him the second he st- he sets foot in that inn. You're like, oh my god, don't do anything to my new best friends, yeah. apparently, <laughs> Cody Smith, McFee, and Kirsten. Yeah. Like, you're scared for them. Like, this is, like, uh, casting no aspersions on my childhood specifically, but this is the strongest mean big brother energy you could bring to any table. Mm. Like... This is the most yes. powerful, like, oh, I gotta watch my step on eggshells all the time. What am I gonna say next? Is he gonna take it weird? Have I already paused too long to yeah. think of something to say? <laughs> He's just staring at me while I think about he this. He makes people deeply uncomfortable. Yes. Uh, but, George, well, it kind of drives George to, to Rose, and they yeah. soon marry. And they have uh, just, like, the sweetest little scene where they're, like, she's trying to teach him to dance, and he just says, it's so nice not to be alone. And, like, that, we were, like, 
20 minutes in and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to cry in this movie. Cool. Oh, cool. Good. Yeah, great. <laughs> yeah, it's very just like, oh, we found, I found a person. Yeah. It doesn't even, maybe my person, you know, in the, you know, grand romance tradition, but like a person yeah. that like I can connect with and just be vulnerable with. Who is Holy my brother fun. that I sleep in the same room as still and... Mm-hmm. And we have never had an honest conversation in our lives. <laughs> and yet have never spent any time apart. Yeah. Oh, Jesus God. The worst. <laughs> anyway, so it's nice for him to break out of that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Rose uses uh, George's money, as I mentioned, they're wealthy, to send her son to college to study medicine and surgery while she moves into the ranch house. Mm-hmm. Uh, Phil immediately takes a disliking to her, believing that she married George for his money, which, I mean, you just took a bunch of it and sent it. Uh, yeah, what are you going to do? Yeah. But I also, I guess he doesn't really understand the idea of affection for another living person and all that. I think he thinks, yeah, you could only want to marry him for his money. Yeah. 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 yeah he doesn't think much of it, really. No. Yeah, he keeps calling him fatso and like, Jesse Plemons isn't fat. He's just... He's just a guy. He's just a guy. Yeah, it is an, an unkind relationship. Uh, so he's just really rough and taunting to her all the time, uh, which is the most painful while she's trying to practice piano. And he is playing banjo at her. But better than her. Oh, so much better. It's so they, cool. The like, layers that come off of Phil in this movie are just, some of them are like, uh, you know, astoundingly hard to live with. And like, and then there's just this one where he plays banjo so well. So and he good. can like use it to make fun of her. It's, it's, that's the worst thing to be taunted by is a banjo playing rancher just like it's the most menacing banjo getting... since yeah. de- uh, deliverance since deliverance yeah exactly you're like stop it stop it but i also know very well uh used to be a musician very well the feeling of like it's a big empty house i know people are gonna hear oh, me God, yeah everyone just can hear me try but it's a piano <laughs> you can't make that There's quiet not a quieter so yeah Oh, and and it just you can't see him. He's out of sight mm. upstairs, and he keeps playing back the line that she's fucking up. Oh, it's brutal. It's so mean. If anyone ever did this to me, I would move out. Yeah, I, I mean, she... and I mean, she's already like she's the newcomer. She doesn't yeah. ranch. She's you know, her husband is away, like out so of much. the house yeah. a lot of the time, and so she's just stuck here with this guy that hates her. And uh, that piece that she's trying to play is called the Radetzky March. I have personal oh, yeah. reason to hate this piece of music. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, so I'll leave it at that. What's Not, your, dare I ask? Oh, oh, have you done those New Year's concerts? Every New Year's. Yes. This is how you end a New Year's show in big traditional style. The and... Viennese concerts, yes. Yeah. Let's oh. uh, not get dive too deep into that, though. <laughs> All right. May I say the reason I hate it? Oh, because yes, Because I think it's funny. Um, there's, a, there's like a horse jumping show jumping competition i've been to a bunch of jumping competitions and when they do the like winner's parade after you like ride your horse around they do the radetzky march but they all clap on one and three because it's all white people (laughs) it's infuriating like having a nightmare in real life anyway and it's so long oh my god uh anyway yes uh i just like blacked out for a few minutes (laughs) sorry sorry to bring that up Uh, but, uh, this all comes to a head when, uh, George has a fancy dinner party inviting the governor and f- mm. father and mother and, uh, Rose is supposed to play and she just can't oh, do God. it. Yeah. And Phil is supposed to have a bath and attend and he just <laughs> won't do it. And, oh yes. my God. Oh <laughs> my God. <laughs> it's very antagonistic. This yes. whole relationship, like you can tell George 
just wants the night to go over without anyone yelling at anyone else, and they can't even really do that. And I mean, this is a Western without guns, but you might as well be shooting each other yeah. right now. It's <laughs> wild, wild stuff. Mm-hmm. And she uh, needs an escape, so she finds it in a bottle. Yeah. Yay. Drinking hard or hardly drinking. It's uh, the first one. <laughs> uh, so we cut forward to Peter coming home to the ranch to stay for the summer break from school. Uh, Rose has become a very bad alcoholic. Uh, Phil and his men taunt Peter mercilessly, so he just sequesters himself in a room, uh, dissecting animals and studying diseases. <laughs> and one meanwhile, in a secluded clearing, Phil is just masturbating away with uh, Bronco Henry's handkerchief. And we learn a lot about Phil and his fortress of solitude over yeah. here. <laughs> yes, his man cave of solitude in yep. the woods. But just fully open in the woods. Like, I get that you have to, like, climb past a few branches or whatever, but, like... Bold move. Yeah, I but I feel like this is the, like, fear will keep them in line. Fear yeah. will keep them from discovering my clearing. True. <laughs> but Peter, fortune favors the bold. Mm-hmm. He enters the clearing and finds a stash of magazines with Bronco Henry's name on them, depicting tons of nude men, and uh, he observes Phil bathing in a pond with a handkerchief, and it's very His erotic. little ritual, yes. yeah. yeah. And uh, it's a very, for whatever reason, I find this very funny that Phil notices him, and he's just like, hey, hey, scram, get out of here. <laughs> really get off my lawn moment. you yeah he he just reverts right back into like that power dynamic is very entrenched like immediately peter's like oh i'm in trouble yeah. <laughs> oh shit and phil just fully nude climbing out of the pond like the wrath of god just trying to chase peter down like what are you gonna do what what, what are you gonna do with him if you got to like, nope just uh, he knows to run yep we then uh i feel like this just makes phil meaner which is <laughs> saying something yeah but uh so in order to this is the moment that like we'll talk about this at the end but i started to be like i don't understand the motivations here we'll see what happens mm. in, in the end right uh phil starts to be very nice to peter and starts to show him the way of the west yes he's gonna make him a nice lasso from rawhide right I took it at the time definitely as like, oh, he's turning the screws on Rose. Like he's this is something. Yeah. gonna make her even more mad, and yeah. I did too because there's there's no transitive period. He's just he's mean to him. Phil is mean to Pete, and then immediately not anymore. Yeah, Phil or uh, no Pete does it like a runway walk with a big cowboy hat uh, yeah, in front of him. A huge, and he's this like you know good. He's, he's a little stick He's a little like string bean. <laughs> yeah, he's so tall and so gangly, <laughs> and they're like. Yeah, the hat weighs more than he does, I'm yep. pretty sure. And they're, you know, calling him names and slurs. And and Pete is like, come over here. I'll teach you how to do this. Like, Rose is not fucking I was it. expecting him to, like, see this rawhide whip? I'm making it for you so I can hit you with yeah, it. Yeah, like, so I can beat the shit out of you. <laughs> see, it's almost done. And just, like, hitting him in the mouth with it or whatever. <laughs> that would inarguably be funnier. <laughs> but, yeah. So, what's happening? Yeah, so he... Phil teaches Pete how to ride a horse, and they go out on, like, fencing jobs together and get to know each other, and Pete learns all about Bronco Henry. Mm. And uh, in his quiet time, Peter is heading out on the ranch and finds a dead cow, presumably dead from an anthrax infection. And this is one of those things of, like, oh, this happens? And, like, apparently yeah. that's where anthrax comes from. So yep. Yeah, we get a lot of, like, you gotta be careful with your cattle. Yeah. Just, like, mad cow, anthrax, just a lot of real unpleasant shit can yeah, come it your turns life. out just, like, grouping, huddling yeah. organisms together and... Penning creatures that are alive. Yeah. Uh, not good. Not good for them. Yeah. So he puts on some gloves, cuts off some pieces of, of uh, the cow's hide, and that's kind of 
where we leave that for most of the movie. Just Pete this. is a little weird, though. Like, yes. he's been dissecting creatures and stuff, and it, like, you know. He's, I, he's shown to be just like, this is just, he's trying to learn. He's in med school. Yeah. He's got to cut shit up. So that's kind of how I took it at the time. I was like, oh, this feels very menacing for some reason. Mm. Oh, well, let's watch. The whole movie kind of mm. does, though. It just, like, ugh, the noose tightens. Mm-hmm. The rawhide noose made yeah. by Phil. <laughs> there you go. So, the, yeah, as I mentioned, they go out on a fencing job together. Pete tells Phil about finding the body of his alcoholic father who had hanged himself. Mm-hmm. So we're getting some, like, vulnerability. And this was one of those moments yeah. of, like, oh, Pete is really mad about his mom drinking. I hadn't, like... Yeah. There's there's stuff going on there much more than I had thought of. Yeah, there's a lot of... It's kind of pity, but it's also... Yeah, it's like, why can't you pull yourself together? You have to be stronger than this. Yeah. Like, Yeah. Yeah, so meanwhile, Rose's alcoholism gets much worse. Uh, She learns about Phil's policy of burning hides as opposed to, like, leaving them for others. So she just gives them away to uh, some First Nations traders, makes the white man very mad. Uh, She collapses and is definitely taking a turn for the worse. Mm -hmm. And with no hides to finish his lasso, Phil is despondent and attempts to lash out before being stopped by George. That's where that starts to come to a head. Right. It's a good time. (laughs) <laughs> very healthy but peter calms uh phil down by being like hey i found some hide i got it from a dead cattle don't ask about it um, <laughs> yeah yeah so phil is touched by this and promises they'll have a much better like go of stuff from now and they have like this midnight rope making session <laughs> as you do yep uh where when he's cleaning the hide off phil's cut that he had suffered while the phil and peter working together gets mingled with uh this this cow hide which is yeah, he's dunking, yeah. dunking his hands in this barrel. You gotta like, yeah, I don't know what it is that you're doing to Treating the, the it hide, and stuff. but yeah, just a barrel full of cowhide and human blood. Yep, neat. It's a great image. And he's filthy. Oh, so filthy! It just—it <laughs> is firmly established that Phil does not bathe on purpose. Yes, he refuses. Oh yeah, we didn't talk about how like he's like a Yale educated. I don't, I don't can't remember what he goes for. Yeah, but, like, humanity. He has yeah. a humanities degree from Yale, and he's like, I will not. He he gets a real kick out of being difficult. Yes. So he's like, oh, the governor's coming. I'm going to put even more fucking mud on myself. <laughs> like, he literally goes out and sm- slathers himself in mud. Yeah, so I don't know if, if everybody knows the term cosplay cowboy. That feels like a, a thing in <laughs> just society today. I feel like he's almost there, but, like, he truly oh. knows what he's doing. Yeah, Like, a he's cow- very cosplay cowboy is somebody who just dresses up but doesn't know... Drives a truck, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but couldn't fix it if they needed to. Mm-hmm. But he he knows he walks the walk. In addition to talking the very mean talk, uh, but yeah, Phil opens up and tells Peter about how Bronco Henry saved his life when they like laid body to body in the cold to not die of uh, exposure. Yeah, they had a yeah. little like on their previous fencing job when you know Pete is talking about his father. They have a little bit of opening up, but neither of them is fully honest with each other. I don't know. It's it's not clear at that point who it is that doesn't trust the other yeah. or who it is that's hiding something from the other. But, like, this is... Yeah, this is a new step. They're talking about, like, this person... It's huge for Phil to say, this person is very special to yeah. me. Not just very important to me, but special to me. And Peter, like, takes the, the really... Hard line of, like, so were you naked when you did that? Like, he's trying to, like... He's trying to make him say it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we never get the exact closure on that, though. I mean, you can you can put it together. Pretty evident. It's pretty, yeah. pretty obvious. Um, the next morning, Phil doesn't show up for breakfast, and George finds him so very sick in bed 
with the biggest infection in the world. Yeah, on his it looks hand. terrible. Yep. Uh, delirious Phil looks for Peter to give him the finished lasso, but uh, George takes him to the doctor instead, and we cut to a coffin, which is yep. Yeah, anthrax we did not works fast. Have long to live. Yeah. <laughs> so this is yeah. I I I know I was waiting for the like. Where is the shoe gonna drop? What's mm. the last thing that helps the slots into place? Ta-da! There it fucking is. Yep. At the funeral, the doctor tells George that Phil most likely died from anthrax. Uh, which everyone's confused of, like, but he was so good at... He knows to avoid. Yeah, yeah, diseased cattle. He's been doing this for years. He wouldn't make this kind of really dumb error. Yeah. Um, but uh, having not gone to the funeral, Peter opens a book of common prayer to the burial rite and reads the psalm from which the title comes. I thought it had to do with a literal dog. Uh, <laughs> when we were going to watch this, I ran around shouting puppy power. He did. <laughs> <laughs> I want to watch puppy power! <laughs> Um, That's the Bible, Nick. It's, you yep. can't do that to the Bible. <laughs> anyway. Uh, but later he puts the finished, this is Peter, puts the finished lasso under his bed with gloved hands, very careful about it. And as he walks down the hall, he stops at a window and watches George and a now sober Rose return home and have their first nice moment since the other nice moment I mentioned Yes, Before. yeah, now that Phil is gone. And he, in his little face, gives a little scary smile. He's so scary. <laughs> the end. The end, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, uh, I did not know much going into it. This is one of the benefits yeah. of a good movie. And you know what I should have mentioned at the top? Huge spoilers, but, uh. Oh, God. <laughs> All right, we'll pull, we'll put a little thing in there, yeah. yeah. Please do. Because <laughs> I don't want. Huge spoilers. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I do think it is genuinely, like, spoilers, I feel like, are so often used to just mean you you find out what happens in the movie. Yeah, whereas and, if you go back and, and I, want, I want to go back and watch this a second time, yeah. it becomes a different movie. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, your experience of watching it changes because you know what's really going on and, and the, the reveal or the, the developments mm. don't feel as scary. Yeah. In, in the same way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah. <laughs> it is so... I I know that some people are like, this is just... It shouldn't be shocking that a person is gay. You know, <laughs> like, have, yeah. have had this sort of... Agree. I don't, I don't personally think that that's the the spoiler. Or no, the, yeah. you know, the reveal like, or whatever. It's, it's that he is gay and, and here's how... The world that he lives in has made it difficult for him to be honest mm. with himself and with others. And, like, here's how that changes your ability to live in the world. Yeah. In that world, right? Yeah. It's not... It, it could have been anything. Whatever. And it's just a very like, unforgiving place. This is just one of those things that does not get easily forgiven. And that the reflex becomes this amazingly toxic... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think yes, that's that's kind of when when people have issues with it. And you know, totally rightfully so, fair. Um it's that oh, if you're gay and you're not allowed to talk about it, you become mean. Like no, that's not exactly it's, to me, that's not no. exactly what the movie is about. It's just this particular person has a personality that when confronted with, like he just has to dominate. Yeah. It's not about having to hide his sexuality per se. It's, it just turned that's a that's a you know, the domination and the control over everybody is just a tool he uses to hide that. It's not the other way around. Yeah, when I mentioned older brother energy, this is exactly the totally. thing of, like, you are used to being the one dominating in control, everything you say goes, except the, the most core thing about you you cannot talk about, and 
everyone will, in your society, you assume, look down on you. Yeah, exactly. Like, well, and you, you see a lot of evidence in that, of that. And, like, they scream the F word at... at uh, yeah. At, I keep wanting to call him Cody. And Pete, as he's, like, walking around and looking in his little textbooks and yeah. stuff, you know. Like, he's, he's presented with evidence that people are not going to take it well. But but this, I mentioned that the scene where Phil suddenly starts being nice to Pete mm. about mm. the whip. Uh, I remember, like, when we watched this, and he's doing his runway walk with his big hat, yeah. uh, of being, that was the first moment that I was like, what is happening now? Are we, like... Sunder, like separating from reality because I yeah. don't, I don't, you know, <laughs> enough of a mood and everything is established enough that it's like I trust this movie to to kind of yes. get me there. But in hindsight, this is like oh, Pete realizing like oh, he is gay or bisexual, which I think canonically Phil is supposed to be bisexual, right? Okay, um, and uh, Pete recognizes this because he is a gay or bisexual man as well, and so he's like oh, okay, I'm gonna, I want revenge on this dude. I'm just gonna like. Honey right. trap this like I'm just oh, gonna like oh, saunter yeah. in front of him and be like, hey, hey you like my big hat. <laughs> we do, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. Like this is this you know so many, and we'll get into this later. But like westerns, uh, women have trouble holding on to power or mm. like exercising power and sexuality is really one of the only ways that you could make a living unless yeah. you were like great at a task. Um, but it's the only way to make a living and have some independence, right? To uh, totally, yeah. yeah. It was very much a, a path to like owning your own place or whatever, right? Yeah. And and it's so it is interesting to see that used in like a it, weaponized, yeah. but between men, yeah. Because it's not often; it's often just like gender politics, mm -hmm. and this is just very specifically like no, everyone is just out to hurt you yeah it's you know it's it's a it's a very interesting dynamic between the two because you're like each of them is equally poised to hurt the fuck out of the other one and just who's who's gonna triumph in, yeah. in this situation like it's so precarious and there's so many other things feeding into it and they both have so much like unspoken backstory yeah. you know and like the but grooming both sexually and just in a mentorship way, right? Like the mentorship way. That's just we'll talk more about Western stuff later. But that's that's a huge thing in a lot of Westerns. Yeah. And yeah, just that that idea coming into the Western space, but having be about sexuality instead of just this is how you ride a horse. Good was yeah. like real interesting. I like that a lot. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We've done enough westerns by now that we've had like over a hundred <laughs> yeah. years of westerns. We can start branching out. Yes. Yeah. That's uh, that's good stuff. I wonder. I Thomas Savage. The the book is about like a gay rancher who yep. who is having trouble. Yeah. It's based keeping his life together. Right? Pretty much on his life, mm. where he is Peter. And gotcha. he literally oh, he's has Pete. A, okay. yeah, he has an uncle who die who is mean to him and dies of anthrax poisoning. Oh, shit. Like it's hyper specific oh, dear. to his experience. His he comes into a ranch house with his mother who remarries a nice man, and then there's a mean uncle. Like it's okay. he's it's 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 his life. Frighteningly autobiographical. Yeah. To the point of like, hey, do you kill this guy? Is this a murder? <laughs> yeah. Think statute of limitations stuff though. Because it, it was I guess. same time period. It was nineteen twenties, Montana. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Uh, side note also it's very funny to me to see cars in westerns whenever yeah. they have that because it like 1925 like the stock market already exists like do you know what i mean like yeah. we, we had movies people were going to movie theaters there were like westerns 
have this like you know 1910 is maybe the latest that most you you would envision a western being yeah. set so it's always funny to me to have like a, a modern er western like yeah. world war Two was just on the bubbling horizon. up yep. yeah <laughs> world war one is done already That's yeah for, for many years yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very funny uh the western is a state it's a state of mind not yeah. a yeah <laughs> Westerns is a vibe, actually. <laughs> uh, so I just wanted to mention a few other things uh, here. First off, it's the return of your and my favorite segment. It's time for an injury and destruction roundup. Just a few short things today. Uh, one barely counts, but I wanted to mention it. Good. Kirsten Dunst, uh, that is her actually playing the piano the whole time. Oh, nice. So, or not playing it, as the case may be. But she tried. That was her trying to do it good. Bless. A lot of the it's time, hard. Which, that's really hard. But she prepared two pieces, and one she was, like, really good at, and one was the Radetzky March, and she played them, and they're like, we're going to cut the good one. And so it's just basically... God damn it. Raw Jane. nerve, like, okay, I'll just... A camera is on me right now. <laughs> but she had, she, like, in interviews talking about, like, yeah, I legitimately, like, felt as bad as if I was giving performances and oh. people were, like, shitting on me. <laughs> well, your job is to perform for the camera. Yeah. Like, yeah, if you can't develop that skill. <laughs> it's bad. Poor girl. Uh, and this is the famous thing that I forgot about. Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, he got, like, really into this whole thing and, like, he really wanted to method his way through it. So he uh -oh. went to, like, cowboy training, boot camp and stuff and oh, all okay. this. Uh, but one of the things is that he just started chain smoking. Um, oh, God. <laughs> so he was hospitalized three separate times with nicotine poisoning. For Holy shit. That's <laughs> gross. What? So funny. <laughs> The poor guy. Oh, is it that he doesn't smoke and so just the shock of yeah, I think <laughs> three so. packs a day? Ew. That's so gross. That's so gross. Oh, he must have felt like fucking shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> three separate times. You'd think by the third time you would recognize like the symptoms. Or you're or... like, you know what? I get what smoking I is. Can, yeah. <laughs> I think I understand how to act as if I'm smoking. <laughs> I've done Great. it. I cracked the code. Let's take a step back. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that he stopped bathing. Oh, he did too. Oh, yeah. God. Like everything that Phil purports to do in yeah. this, he was doing. So when they took him to the hospital, was the staff like, yeah, you have to stand against the side of the outside wall and I'm going to hose Get the you. hose. <laughs> Cover match is coming. Do we have Get the hose. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. A lot of things I never thought I'd hear said. <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch Western. Benedict is coming. Get the hose. It's a wild new frontier, and there are topics beyond I'm your scared. imagining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not equipped to be here. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to just mention really quick, just to give, we love our scoring in this, and Johnny Greenwood yes. does a very good score here. Yes, Johnny Greenwood is a great like new Western guy. He's yeah. got the menace down. It's it's just like it's there will be blood. It was yeah. I think it was his like first score he ever did for a movie. Oh really? And then he's I been doing great work score. since then. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, uh, originally, the banjo playing on set that Phil is playing like yeah. during the making fun of Dunst part um, was going to be just like you know that's Dunst piano recording that's in the movie that's sure. was going to be. Uh, I don't know if his cover batch going to be playing the banjo. He did He did learn banjo, but <laughs> I, I imagine okay. it was somebody else. Just you know, your film. Sure, because it's pretty good. Yeah, it's quite good. Banjo's hard too. Uh, but would it surprise you to know that banjo does not appear in this movie ever? The sound of a banjo does never appear in this movie. What are you talking about? The sound of a banjo never appears in this movie. <laughs> 
I don't know how more clear I can be. <laughs> so what are we hearing? Uh, they disliked the sound of the banjo coming through. It didn't feel like it, it was a banjo. Yeah, banjo sound like banjo. But they're like, it doesn't fit what's going on. Okay. So what Johnny Greenwood did uh, was he took a cello, he tuned it like a banjo, and he just plucked it like a banjo. So he just played <laughs> a cello in the banjo style. Um, and that's what we're yeah. hearing. Uh, he wanted to do that because he was like, you know what, the the thing going through this whole movie is nothing is exactly what it's presenting as. The <laughs> score is meant to just subtly, or not so subtly, make you feel tense and just kind of... Oh, yeah. Make, and I this hated is it. Yeah. one of the things. He's like, if you can take what's supposed to be a familiar sounding thing and just have it one step removed where you're it's like, I don't right. know why it's yeah. not right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even understand that. Like, banjo is several octaves higher than a cello. Not if, no, no, uh, banjo can get as low as that, yeah. Oh, Depending on the like type of banjo. Like a tenor banjo or yeah. whatever? Okay, all right. Tenor or banjo. I'm gonna, get, I'm gonna get trashed by banjo players in the comments. I'm, I'm here so to help. sorry. Thank God. Regular banjo that we all think of, that's a tenor banjo. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it, it can get that low. Oh, so, okay. yeah, it's just... It's just not quite... Yeah, it's not quite on right. the level. Yeah. <laughs> So for people like me, who is just like staring and listening as hard as he can, uh, that that's one of those things that you don't pick up on. But mm. now I want to go back and listen to me like, ah, it's chill. Yeah. No, I do too. Cool. <laughs> Johnny. There's also that's great. no guitar on the soundtrack either. A lot of people are like, we loved your guitar work because I didn't play any guitar. There wasn't any. Uh, and this was during COVID times. So he like when it was the worst yeah. uh, lockdown of it. So they didn't have... Literally the only, I think with like two exceptions, the only musician on the soundtrack is Johnny Greenwood. Oh, sure. It's just him layering instrument on instrument track on instrument track on instrument yeah. track. Yeah. Oh, that's that's very him, right? That's how he's yeah. composed a lot of a lot of stuff. So I just thought that was neat. That's very cool. Yeah. I like that too as a like, if you want to go one meta layer further with it, it's <laughs> just various facets of Johnny. They're all the same person, oh. but... <laughs> 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 Who needs to go to film school when you can shoot out gems like this every week on a podcast? No, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, I like I yes. like just anything. I'm I'm that's a person who like when he scores stuff now. I'm gonna be like listening especially for it. Yeah, totally. That's so funny. Yeah. I really so in this movie about like ranching and nobody fell off a horse, huh? Nope. Well it, done. Because all of the extras, all of the people who aren't like quote unquote actors, are just farmhands. They are. Nice. They got people who would like know how to do everything. Good. All so, right. Yeah. Feels great. great. Yeah. Um, filmed in <laughs> New Zealand for oh, Montana. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh yes. Okay. So the yeah, the cinematography is so good. One yeah. of the one of the scenes that I absolutely love, if you'll permit me a digression here, I'll allow it. is um, they're they're standing. Um, Phil is standing in like you know the door of the barn, and he's looking out towards these mountains. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you know, if you're in Montana, like there's a there's mountain range. It's 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 New Zealand, and it's gorgeous, and yeah. it's got these hues that are very like, I don't know. The there's something different about the air. It's yeah. just yeah, the the pink and greens and whites all like washing into each other, just gorgeous. And the so Phil is standing there. Pete comes over and, and is like trying to make small talk or something. I can't yeah. remember exactly what the impetus is, but Phil is like talking about how he sees this thing in the mountain, and Pete is like, "It's a dog." Yeah, the dog right there. Yeah, and <laughs> Phil just fucking flabbergasted, just looks over at him and and was like, "And how do you how do you know that?" Like he just means you know the the way the mountain face is shaped. Yeah. it looks like the outline of a dog or whatever. And Pete is just like. Well, it's right there. It's in the shape of a dog. And 
I, that's, to me, that's where I, it kind of flipped over from, like, Phil is trying to set this guy up, this mm. kid, and is gonna, like, harm him, to, oh, no, Phil is fully on board, like, he's friends with Pete Yeah, now. like, he is just seeing... He sees that they're the same. Yeah, he is the younger me, I'm now becoming Bronco Henry. Like, yeah, exactly, yeah. like, oh, my God, like, I could have a fulfilling relationship. Not, not sexual, even, necessarily, but just, like, I could have a human connection <laughs> with a person... And don't have to feel ashamed of it. It's the exact same thing that um, that George says earlier. It's nice to not feel alone. Totally. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And just like the way that the, you know, I don't know fuck all about cinematography, but the, the way that the landscape opens up or closes in mm. or or is, you know, particularly dark or pastel-y and, and soft or whatever in those those moments of human connection is is really really cool and yeah. very touching that feels very tender like that scene and you're right the one where George and Rose are like hanging out and have just again soft pastelly mm. like the the mountains in the distance the nice sunset you know there's really a lot gorgeous. of I would uh, anybody that is in, as into the cinematography as we are. There's a lot of articles and interviews with the director of photography talking about her work, oh, and nice. she okay. yeah she knocks it out of the friggin' park. And yeah. I wish I had written down her name because she's great. <laughs> well, figure it out. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, I love that. Shout out to New Zealand for doing the most. <laughs> really keeping up its end of the filmic world. Yes. Yes. Uh, actually, yeah, we covered all the Lord of the Rings last month. Yes. And now we're in New Zealand again. <laughs> we just gotta go back for a victory lap. <laughs> uh, and speaking of going back to things, let's go back to the idea of the Western genre. Because part of the reason we wanted to do this month is, I mentioned on our last episode, Westerns are like Aaron's favorite genre out there and she introduced me to them and i know i always thought of them as like ooh, stuffy old westerns i won't like them but it turns (laughs) out it's to me that's this as versatile a genre as like horror where it's like there are so many ways you can take so many things yes exactly and there's there's the genre exists as its own I, I don't know what the word even would be, but the the whenever you make an iteration of mm. a western now or of a horror movie, it is it it has to build on what came before yeah. in a way that some other genres don't necessarily. Yeah. Um. You you're speaking to the entire history of horror when you make a horror <laughs> movie or the entire history of westerns. So when if you're like me in this podcast, and you're like I like Power of the Dog. What are you talking about a western? Some people don't consider Power of the Dog a western. Fair. And I get I, it. I disagree with them personally. As do I. But uh, great. I <laughs> you're love wrong, that we're but together. I love you. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're going to, for this month, we'll have a regular segment. Welcome to Your First Rodeo. <laughs> I'm so tempted not to find better qual- like actual sound clips for that intro. But yes, Your First Rodeo. So if you're not really into Westerns or you think you're not, um... Come with me now on this journey. So I'm going to use this time to talk about, um, you know, disclaimer, not having gone to film school. I just like Westerns. We just watched a lot of them. Now. Yeah. I'm going to talk about like the history of Westerns and how how each movie that we've chosen is a good example of that. And so if you like that about the movie, you might like Westerns and yeah. not even know it. Or you might like the specific, like, where this fits. Like, you might like other yes. westerns of this type, but maybe not, like, the older ones that fit into a different type. Like totally. Kind of yes. Yeah. yeah. Helping illuminate those categories a little bit and see what, what you might like, which is very much my experience of horror as well. So that's a, mm. that's a perfect, uh, yeah, allegory yeah. for it. 
Anyway. Okay, so westerns are kind of a funny genre because, like, they've existed as long as moving pictures have existed. Like, they're the first movies, pretty much, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Thomas Edison, we're going way back. (laughs) Oh, we're going way back. Oh, my God. Okay. (laughs) Thomas Edison was the first person to patent, of course, um, a device that would show pictures one after another in rapid succession. And this was 1889. (laughs) So, peak, you know, Wild West fucking time. It wasn't a western then. It was just real life. Oh, movie. Yeah. And the reason for that is really because, like, Hollywood didn't exist. There wasn't, you know. So it was really just point a camera at this new device (laughs) at whatever is happening. And there were plenty of traveling shows like... Annie Oakley or Wild Buffalo Bill. That's just what people were doing at the time. That was entertainment. Mm -hmm. So really the first movies are Westerns only because they happened at that exact time, just late uh, 1800s. (laughs) So they've just constantly kind of been around and they've accumulated so much like psychic baggage, (laughs) especially for Americans, right? Because it's, it's been so much a part of their national history, entertainment history, the cultural. stories, the yeah, exactly yeah. cultural stories. Um, which is, this is two Canadians talking about westerns. Yeah. so we're we're one step <laughs> removed, which I think yeah. is one of the reasons why I find the whole thing so fascinating. Uh, totally. Yeah. To be honest, I feel like that's probably you might like westerns more if you're not American. Yeah, could <laughs> I don't be. know, but certainly the westerns that I like, and we'll get into that. Yes, yes, yeah. we will. <laughs> yeah, so westerns were around obviously before talkies, before sound existed, and when yep. sound came on board they had a really they kind of fell off because it's almost fucking impossible to shoot on location out in the desert with the sound equipment they had at the time forget it like if you're not on a controlled stage you're getting shit sound right um so they kind of fell by the wayside and in the 30s when sound came aboard people gravitated more towards musicals and like it Mm. was the depression so people wanted something light they didn't want to see a rancher scraping out a living while they were also trying to scrape out a living (laughs) this guy gets it yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they wanted MGM to cut, you know, yeah. they wanted My Fair Lady and they wanted fun, fun shit and colors and sound and music mm-hmm. and Westerns were not that. And so they got relegated to like Poverty Row movie yeah. studios who just churned out a shit ton of very pulpy bad Westerns <laughs> because no one really wanted to sink a ton of money into them. Right. So that's where this kind of image of Westerns as this like dumb formulaic kind of thing comes from. It's yeah. just they couldn't keep up when sound was introduced and people moved to like big showy pictures and stuff like that. <laughs> so they, it, they kind of went through this cooling off period in the 30s and like arguably into the 40s where they were just kind of tacky yeah you know and like people didn't want to watch you know if a if a 15 year old is going to the movies they don't want to watch a movie about essentially their parents life like that's the generation (laughs) gap at this point right like yeah oh yeah cool like i don't want to watch like my My dad drive a horse yeah exactly drive a horse (laughs) drive a horse we're from the city So, so they were quite tacky for a while. They yeah. were just bad quality. They had really fallen out of, you know, it was it was embarrassing to go to something called, like, the six-shooter justice or whatever the hell, right? Um, Those are the movies you go to when you're just like, me and my girlfriend want to go make out in mm-hmm. a dark theater. <laughs> exactly. I want to skip school. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Now, place this for me. Is sure. Where does, uh, whenever anybody thinks of Westerns, they are thinking of John Wayne, I presume. Yes. Where does he fit? He fits into the old hokey kind or he... Well, yeah, he's very much the old hokey kind. He's the the white man who rides into town and, you know, he is that guy and that's what Westerns were for a long, long time. And that's why this kind of image still 
persists. Yeah, and I mean, I'm bringing that up because I personally dislike John Wayne oh, he fucking and sucks. all of his movies, yeah. but I love westerns. <laughs> yes, the only one I don't hate is Stagecoach because it's <laughs> there's so many other people in it, yeah. and Thomas Mitchell is a gem, and you know. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, so John Wayne, very much like, you're not gonna... You know, if you're a teen in the 50s, you're not going to go and see a fucking John Wayne movie. Like, that guy's yeah, that's so your dad. dumb. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so when they came back, they had to sort of overcome this very, like, level of irony, you know, that people <laughs> had about them. So revisionist westerns started up in the 40s and into the 50s, where it was like, hey, we know that you're too cool for, like, the the white man riding into town and dispensing justice. Like, we know that that's not cool anymore. That's kind of dorky. Here's this guy that, like, tries to ride into town, but, like, oh, the bad guys get him first. And, like, <laughs> you know, he he's not good at his job or whatever it is. Like, it, it really started to twist the formula of Westerns into a thing where it was like, you know, they weren't actually like this, right? You know, they were trying to get people back by being, like, the story you didn't hear <laughs> about about the OK Corral. Or, you know, you start to get these, like, oh, but what if we're... They're doing the, like, gritty reboot of Westerns. Oh, my God, they are, the yeah. Gritty reboot so, yeah. They gritty Batman reboot. Westerns. <laughs> Gritty Reboot is the revisionist Western time. We're talking like 50s-ish, Definitely, right? yeah. Really yeah, good. 50s-ish. Yeah. And then, so Italy enters the chat. <laughs> Before <laughs> we'll we get, get there, into this, I'll say revisionist Westerns. That's my shit. You I'm a like big, that, yeah. yeah. It very much tends to present things as like, guys, people were either just doing their best or definitively not doing their best and trying to fuck shit up. And a lot of the time it's like, hey, you like America? Well, yeah. watch what us rub our, its nose in shit. Yeah. <laughs> America's trash. So it's a, you know, it's a very like counterculture type of thing. Yeah. Um, Italy got a hold of like, hey, what's something that's you could churn out quickly and not pour a lot of money into in mm. order to bolster our like growing film industry? Westerns, amazing. We have deserts. Go for it. <laughs> they were all fi- all the famous Italian like the spaghetti westerns were filmed in this one fucking desert. Yeah. And if you watch a little spaghetti westerns, you'd be like, oh yeah, we're back here. Again. I know that rock. Hello, old friend. Yeah. <laughs> And because it's Italy, it's not America, it, it, there's this layer of, of like, distance from it, right? A, mm. a level of distance where you could be like, hey, yeah, America did suck. <laughs> like, you can say these things because you don't have to please the American populace. Yeah, really, and you right? just keep it nice and general where you yeah. don't tell anybody what year it is yeah, and, or right. where exactly you are. Right. And you just let the imagination fill in the rest. <laughs> yeah. But then they were, they were so cool looking Hell and, yeah. like, there was so much violence like this is coming into the 60s right when violence is really starting to show up in movies i'm mm. like yes the old west was violent as fuck <laughs> so we can show that and that really drove that industry and so they turned into these shoot 'em ups and these mm. like almost going back to the violent roots but now saying hey this sucked yeah Violent roots, but also they're not doing it for a good reason like America. They're portrayed as like there was no point to this violence at all. And often movies would get banned because there was no point to the violence. (laughs) It was just violence for violence's sake. Yeah, go back and listen to our episode on Django, one of our really early episodes. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Banned in Britain until the 90s or something like like that. that. That's how violent it was. (laughs) Um, So there's that famous, you know, stage in... Uh, Western's history and then it gets into these like revisionist but also like now we're folding in noir elements and we're folding in like survival horror and we're folding in you know Western's really blossomed into this like oh this is just a great way to tell a story it's man versus nature or it's man versus man and and it's a psychologically damaging environment so it's great for like more character driven pieces not necessarily like you know white man fights 
fights off Indians gets girl. Like it's it really blossomed in like you know the '60s thanks to spaghetti westerns. Love spaghetti. It loves some spaghetti. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it just it just kind of took off from there, and now it's so varied and it's so. But it it always whatever whenever you make a western, you have you are consciously or not speaking to that whole history of like yeah. this is the myth making of America. Do you think that's good or bad? What do you think of how it was presented? There's so many meta levels mm. to westerns now. Yeah. So correct me if I'm wrong. This is how I understand this. I'm gonna put all of what you've talked about into buckets now. Please you've got, do. Like. Old-timey, rah-rah America, John Wayne Westerns mm-hmm. take us up to, like, maybe the 30s, yeah. going into the 30s. You can call that, like, classic Westerns. Classic Westerns, sure. Then you get revisionist Westerns, which are all the, like, actually, America's not great. And yeah. that's end of 40s into the 50s, 60s kind yes. of deal. Yeah. Then you get spaghetti Westerns coming in in the 60s, and those, like, flame out in five years, right? But it's just... It was a real burn bright while you have yeah. it scenario. They continued to get made, and they made a lot of money, but they just weren't as popular yeah, anymore. that makes sense. And we'll, yeah, as we'll talk about at the end of this episode, we got some of the flavors of each of these coming up mm-hmm. this month. Uh, and after Spaghetti Westerns, it kind of becomes this thing from, like, 70s to today, where yeah. it's like, and now it's a Western, but it's a Western that's also a horror movie, or a Western that's, it's like genre yeah. fusion stuff. Fusion Westerns, I yeah. think, is a good way. Or like experimental Westerns. Yeah. Or, yeah. And then recently, or maybe in the 90s this even starts to happen, is when you get these neo-Westerns that are like, hey, what if it was just a regular story that happens to be a Western? Like, people talk yeah. about, um, what the hell is that Coen Brothers movie? The one with, uh, why can't I, it's sitting right over there. No Country for I Old can't. Men. can't, oh. Yes, right, right, yes, exactly. Called a neo-Western a lot of the time because sure. it just follows the plot structure and the message structure of a Western. Yes, exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah so there are many, like, Westerns can pop up unexpectedly because you could either have the look <laughs> of it or you could have the message or you could have the format. You could have mm. the storytelling, you know, devices. I, I think Power of the Dog is such a great example of this because to me, and here's my like linchpin of this genre, Mm. Westerns are about the fear of losing. Mm. They're about the fear of being left behind or being discarded and thrown aside, being trampled by Mm. like progress, Progress. essentially, however you want to define that. And there's such a wide range of them out there for that reason. Power of the Dog is exactly that. And it's, it's funny, like, that's not, that's almost not exactly what the movie is about, but that's the structure of the story is Phil is standing here knowing he can't go any further. He's reached the limit of his ability to be himself. And I feel like he's, he likes that version of him, but everybody else is trying to change that. And that's what makes him... Yeah, a he's, there's a customer. lot of conflict there. <laughs> he's a little prickly Pete. <laughs> prickly well, no, prickly Phil. Um, yeah, and and so along comes this new kid, not afraid to like be a feat in public, like mm-hmm. he is or has learned to be. Mm-hmm. It, Phil becomes mm. like a little like jealous. You know, he's he's picking he's on Rose. It, right? He's he's threatened in that way where like. Oh, this could have been me, but I'm I'm out. I have no more potential <laughs> to give. I can't become a new thing. Yeah. And this kid wins. <laughs> this kid murders Phil. There's no more <laughs> pure expression of you are not equipped 
to fight the new generation of things happening mm. than this movie. Yeah. He is being discarded. He's not just being discarded. He's being rooted out and discarded, like, violently. Yeah. His presence is offensive to everyone around him. It really is. And, like, he's just trying to fucking live. He's not doing it well, but that's all he can give, right? Yeah. That's who he is. And the world has no time for him. Yeah, the world he's is discarded. moving on yeah. past him. Yeah. And he's not even discarded in, like, an a, what, what he probably would consider an honorable way, like a fight or, a you know, a duel, if you want to go back to the, the early Westerns. He gets poisoned and dies of anthrax in his own bed, like, in, in a hospital bed. Yeah. That That is a psychological harm that's his ego has been absolutely fucking annihilated by this yeah. kid who he doesn't even think of phil as a person yeah he's just like this is the guy that's mean to my mom i'm going to kill him because i would prefer that my mom not be you know <laughs> i have the power in the situation and it's not even like he did a calculation about it and was like oh i can come out on top he's just better than phil yeah. he just is and there's nothing phil can do about that <laughs> pete doesn't even see him as a threat yeah. you know what i mean um, and that's, that's to me, like, Westerns are this, they're America's fears, you know, because the state, you know, to get blah on, on Maine about it, but, like, <laughs> America is built on using up people. Yeah. The United States as a country is built on slavery and, like, throwing ranchers out into the frontiers to kind of advance slowly. Yeah, to be like, hey, the... you figure it out. And exactly. then coming in 20 years later and be like, Oh, I'll buy that like building. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> it's just built on, like, grinding people up and throwing them out. And yeah. while you're on top of that, you're constantly afraid that it's going to happen to you. Yeah. And that's, to, to me, that's why Power of the Dog is a Western. It's just like, I'm going to get used up and spit out. And not only am I, can I not win i don't even understand the tools being used to do it yeah i don't uh, i i never saw it coming like yeah pete is playing chess and phil is playing checkers kind of thing <laughs> phil is playing tic-tac-toe <laughs> on the side of a barn with some chalk he is not up to the up to snuff i love that like you just articulated such it perfectly for me where it is it's it's the core western thing being that like it's the tension and struggle of old versus new and like totally yes for sure yeah. but it's the it's how that's expressed that is like, oh, some Westerns, therefore, do not resonate, resonate with me at all. And I think that they're just <laughs> they're just a thing that was churned out because nobody was thinking about what right. they were doing. Yeah. And then there's the stuff that we'll talk about a lot more this month, which is like Power of the Dog, which is let's leverage all of this to prove a point that people might, like, viewers don't even necessarily need to get the point to enjoy this media. But if you don't. do... Hell yeah. Yes, yeah. And so, I, you know, it's a very well-crafted movie to me in that way, where it's like, this works as a movie, even if you don't know a fucking thing about Westerns. Yeah. I just also think it happens to be an amazing distillation mm. of what Westerns say about people. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. So there you go. Sweet, sweet. We, we will be showing you examples of, like, the ways that Westerns are expressed and, and these, like, yeah, this very fearful time in as america is like becoming a nation and how people take that and run with it and shall we mention the movies that we will be covering now too oh sure yeah so we've got obviously power of the dog we're doing neo-western time right now next week we will be covering a revisionist revisionist western yeah we're gonna throw it back 310 to yuma which is it was remade recently we prefer the old one i do yes so we'll be talking about that one yeah. uh then we'll get into spaghetti westerns with the very famous the good the bad and the ugly yeah. and to round it out, we'll be uh, doing a Jim Jarmusch movie from the 90s, Dead Man. It's, yeah. Which is a recent discovery by us that we both like a lot. Yeah, a little yeah. hidden gem. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. 
that's our first, our first rodeo. Our first, your first rodeo. Oh, man. This was our first, your first rodeo. <laughs> I'm excited. Uh, Thank you for uh, for coming on this journey. Yeah, it is me. great to hear you passionately talk about them because I want people to have my journey of like, okay, she's really into westerns. Let's see it what it's all about. To, yeah. And if we can guide you to, we will have succeeded this month if we get one person to try out a western they thought they might not like. That, there you go. Yeah. Yes, do it for us, guys. <laughs> Please. Please. <laughs> That's our backup is just uncomfortably begging. <laughs> yep. So don't don't make us. We don't want to, but we'll do it. We'll fucking do it. <laughs> uh, so we took a big macro look at Westerns yes. now. Let's get Mike down to the micro again and talk yeah. about Power of the Dog some more. And uh, uh, in a break from tradition, I'll talk about my takeaway first. Ooh. Yeah. So, uh, like, outside of the Western talk, I... It's been such a long time since a movie has tricked me so hard as this one. Yeah. Um, and maybe not tricked, but, like... Yeah. You didn't see it coming. Didn't see it coming at all. Yeah. Um, but I, like, the immediate recontextualization of everything after finishing yes. and, like, wanting to go back and be like, okay, now with this knowledge, what on earth does this mean? Yeah. Um, has me, like, that's the thing that's sticking with me and I will not forget this little fucking smile. Oh, God. Uh, like, the ending just squares everything to me so well. Um, and it, it, the way I keep thinking about this movie is it's a slow motion revenge movie. Oh God. Yeah. Normally you have yeah. motivation. Like you meet the character at the beginning. You're like, Oh, that's a revenge person. Classic Western thing going on. Yeah. Um, but this is such a, like, you don't even know it's a revenge movie until yeah. the end. And you're like, Oh, you <laughs> motherfucking little guy. They make you empathize with Phil, a man who has not taken a bath in seven years. <laughs> How dare. <laughs> and has not said a nice thing to a person other than his no. dead boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that, like, it can be such a weird dance to, like, withhold so much information for so long. Yeah. And I have seen people be like, it's just so slow. Like, yes, but there's also so much going on yeah. in the quote unquote quiet parts. Yeah, that like, yeah, that slow motion revenge. That's mm -hmm. going to become a quick fave of mine. There's yeah. a lot of examples in the Western canon of this. Yeah, yeah. But uh, None yeah. so underhanded and thorough yeah. to me. Yeah, or unsettling. Oh, deeply unsettling, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so that's that's what's gonna stick with me about this little movie. Nice. <laughs> How about yeah. you? God, I mean I I, I kinda I have a similar takeaway but sort of on a different angle where it's just a like I, you know, yelled about a bunch just now. <laughs> There's the chilling part about it is there is no hope for Phil at any point. Mm. Um yeah. the things you don't think are threatening are the worst <laughs> or it's not it's not even that it's that you you are so like what you can envision what you can imagine as a threat there's always something worse this is very depressing <laughs> there's always it's something not an up movie no it's, it's not, not it's not a bubbly time mm -hmm. you you have no way of conceptualizing what is dangerous to you yeah you you are so out of your depth that the date like yeah you can't even comprehend what's moving yeah, around you. That's what progress is. Yeah, I guess so. Is you yeah. just have no way of understanding how you're gonna die. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, no, you're not wrong. <laughs> um, good night, folks. <laughs> Did we mention it's the most depressing time of the year? <laughs> We're mostly doing this to not, yeah. We're having fun with it though. Cry. No, that yeah. So it's it's just the like the what progress actually is is the old generation or the old way or the old whatever 
being wiped out in a way they didn't know existed when they were born and yep. probably didn't write up until it killed them. Tale as old as time. <laughs> Truly. Yep. Yeah. It's Imagine me. the first fish to see someone with legs and was like, oh, shit. And then spear. Yeah. This, you know? is, this is that. This is that. This is evolution sped up. It's poor little fishy Phil. Fish, of course, spelled P-H-I-S-H. <laughs> we're going to pivot right into a uh, fish fan cam. All right. Yeah. So that's my takeaway is just like progress is terrifying. <laughs> And I mean, terrifying. You're right. Yeah. You're right to say it. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> uh, and now, after all of this, we will sort of just put this down into a little recommendation or double bill. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and again, breaking tradition. I'll go first if you don't mind. I do not mind. Feel like this is time how... to break the mold. Yep. Baby. So as I said, my my hope with this month is that people will check out more westerns and. I, so for that reason, I'm going to recommend another not really traditional Western, um, but it's this slow motion development withholding of details kind of thing to the point of I'm not even going to talk about the plot because I want somebody to watch this movie the same way I did, which was, sure. hey, I heard this was a good movie. I'm going to throw it on. Okay. Uh, and that is uh, John Sturgis's Bad Day at Black Rock from oh, 1955. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice, nice. And another reason why you should check it out is because even if you watch it and you're like, fuck that Nick guy, I hate this movie. <laughs> it's only 80 minutes. So quick, <laughs> quick in and out. And if you like it, then you'll like it. And if you don't, then... No, uh, no big time investment on your part. <laughs> I like the the approach of like, hey, if you fucking hate this movie, I recommended. I'm, don't worry. <laughs> I'm working under the conditions that everybody hates me, and I feel oh, like good. that's a safe place to work, work from because it's, if somebody likes me, it works out great. Hey, aw, <laughs> pessimism. It's it feels really good for for Power of the Dog, though, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's also another one where, like, Power of the Dog takes place in 1925, a time after most people would think yes. Western. Yeah. Uh, Bad Day at Black Rock takes place in 1945 or 46, I think. or something, yeah. Um, and it's part of the reason it's such a powerful movie to me is because it feels like this weird time warp of, you're told, I think, when it happens. Yeah. But... None of it feels like it's taking place in the right time. No, the town yeah. hasn't had a new coat of paint on it since 1912. Like, yeah. it's, yeah. yeah. I, I do like Blackrock for that. Um, it's it's very, like, this isn't still America, is it? Yeah. Oh, oh, it turns out this it is. is. The, the f- we never let go of yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> it's been here the whole time? Okay. Yeah, oh, it's literally when we were built on. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So if you liked, I just think that if you liked Power of the Dog, you will like Bad Day at Black Rock. That's the exact same type of vibe. I like that a lot. Sweet. Yeah. Thank you for your confirmation. Big, big, <laughs> big appreciate. Stamp of approval. <laughs> nice. Yeah. What do you think? What are your... I'm going to go fully the opposite way. <gasps> this is very, like, Power of the Dog is a very slow building, like you said, like slow motion revenge. And mm. every single thing that happens just layers up to this, this um, ending. Mm. Um I'm going to pick a movie that tells you what it's about almost instantly. No subtlety, <laughs> but the theme is still progress is terrifying and will kill you. Mm. I'm going to go with Terminator from <laughs> 1984. <laughs> so the, the, the connective... <laughs> could not pick different movies. Uh, but the connective tissue here is that the enemy is something you don't understand. You have no way of protecting against. It doesn't see you as... An equal or even a person. 
Yeah, you're barely an obstacle. You're, you're barely, just, yeah. It could just, just mow you down. To get yeah. out of the way. Yeah. Oh, do I have to go slightly out of my way? All right, fine. Like, you're, you're just not equipped to deal with this, but this is your future. This is the direction that, like, progress is heading. If you're, if all you, if all you do is just, like, progress, then it's, you know... <laughs> It will uh, come back and machine gun you. This eventually. is so funny to me because what you're doing is taking Cody Smith McPhee and mapping him on to Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes, I am. Yes, I hope. I wish that for him. <laughs> I want Cody Smith McPhee to be as famous as Arnold Schwarzenegger, if not more, and just be a quarter his size in every way. Yeah. Uh, but this is very funny, also, because you're just you've broken my brain now to like every <laughs> western ends with. Terminator. That's the end result of <laughs> it. It turns Western. out Terminator was inside us all along. Yep. Yep. Terminator's the the six shooter guy. He's just yeah, exactly. coming into town. Yep. yep. So Cody Smith McPhee rolls up and is like, I have a vision for the future. I will leave <laughs> over anyone who tries to get in the way. That's, that's yeah. so funny. <laughs> <laughs> and J- James Cameron, not a subtle man. No. Doesn't have a lot of time for uh, slow mood building, but he knows what his message is about, and yep. uh, we love him for yeah. it. So, yeah, I heartily recommend these two together if you just want to get into, like, oh, no, you're fucked. <laughs> this could just be we've been talking about a Western for an hour, but I, like, it does, Terminator isn't unlike a Western. Mm-hmm. You're right. It does fit all of the, like, tropes correctly. What you're going to find out in this month is Westerns it. are everywhere. Yeah, you can't escape them. Any, like, American <laughs> movie tradition is just Westerns, but we did it slightly different this time. Uh, You're welcome. God, I gotta go lay down. <laughs> we'll get some fluids in you and you can just take a minute. Yeah. Uh, there you go. Fantastic so, stuff. thus concludes The Power of the Dog. It sure does, and uh, I hope that you... Do check out some westerns as as we've kind of described. Yeah. Any any are I was gonna say any are good. That's not true. Some are really just like catching in on westerns. And <laughs> yeah. Them. Some are good. Yeah. Some are good. Uh, but they're all fun. I would say. In some yeah. Way. I would say at least you're gonna get something out of them regardless of whether it's a good movie. <laughs> yeah. So that uh, that's the present day, and we're gonna go to our oldest one that we'll be covering next week with Three Ten to Yuma. Yes. Again, I'm gonna, I don't know why I'm like if it's old, it's okay. It's really short. It's only like 90 minutes so <laughs> it's fine it's a very it's a it's also a tense movie yeah it's very good tense, yeah so we'll be talking about that and revisionist westerns next time mm-hmm. um but uh, in the meantime that kind of wraps us up for today you can find us at garbage pod on twitter and instagram uh find us there talk to us if you do check out a western for the first time and thought you didn't like westerns before that's so specific but please tell us because it just the serotonin will be a flowing <laughs> it's february we need a win yep <laughs> <laughs> no and it's and it's a good time so like yeah bring bring it on yep uh where can people find you specifically Aaron, if they want to keep talking about westerns with you they can do so uh i'm on twitter at macklebase m-a-c-l-e-b-a-s-s happy to do it and I don't know as much about Westerns, but I just like the general concept. You can find me at Dick R. Navis, D-I-C-K-R Navis. Uh, and uh, that'll take care of us for this week. Thank you so much for joining us as we get into Westerns and lots more to come. I hope that you will join us next time for another pile of garbage. Thanks, y'all.